Today marks the release of New Mutants number 23 and Trial of Magneto number 4, two unrelated issues set in the Krakoa era of X-Men that share thematic DNA looking at the paths to reformation and self-acceptance for Wanda Maximoff, the Scarlet Witch, and Amal Farouk, aka the Shadow King. I'll be exploring the parallels and differences in these well-known characters' journeys and how current events are shaping where they might fit in to mutant kinds Krakoa and the Marvel Universe going forward again on today's Kraken Krakoa. Hey everybody, I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. You are listening to Kraken Krakoa number 204. If you like the Comic Book Herald YouTube channel, please consider liking, subscribing, sharing, and commenting. It all helps me out a great deal. You can find reading orders for all the X-Men comics and what's going on in the Marvel Universe over on ComicBookHerald.com with links in the show notes. Some spoilers for discussed comics will follow. At the center of these stories, we'll look at how far mutant forgiveness extends, and what accountability looks like for Scarlet Witch and Shadow King. I'll start with New Mutants and Amal Farouk, primarily because this run is one of the best New Mutants runs, and easily one of my favorite X-Men comics in 2021. We got writer Vita Ayala, artist Rod Race, and letters by Travis Lanham. In this issue, the OG New Mutants are trapped in a looping astral hell of the Shadow King's making until the lost club of kid mutants reach out and connect. Ayala continues to make great use of mutant technologies, the only writer to really do so, right? To really leverage the fact that these mutants can create synergies by combining their powers. And Rod Race's psychedelia in this issue is on another level, as this creative partnership continues to perform as one of the absolute best at Marvel this year. Since inception, in 1979's Uncanny X-Men number 117, Amal Farouk and Shadow King have predominantly been seen as one and the same. Certainly in the earliest stages, I tied Farouk to Shadow King like you'd tie any Marvel character to their alias, right? Scott Summers is Cyclops, Kurt Wagner is Nightcrawler, and on down the line. As time's gone on, though, we've seen Shadow King inhabit other human vessels, although the dark entity always seems to return to Farouk. So what Ayala started doing, literally from the first issue of their New Mutants run, is separate Farouk and the Shadow King, insofar as it can be done. And not only that, but Ayala and Race's vision is to show how the Shadow King entity preyed on a young and grieving Farouk, Empathy for the Shadow King, a being feeding on hate and rage, has rarely been in the cards, but empathy for a manipulated child? That's not so hard. New Mutants number 23, then, is the culmination of that effort with Farouk vs. King fully on display. These are competing owners of Farouk's body on, you know, at work here, much like Legion in one of his altars, or a character like Enchantress of the Suicide Squad on the DC comic side. And it is decidedly different from traditional portrayals of the Shadow King-Farouk relationship, less symbiosis and more overwhelming virus. After centuries of abuse and stolen control, Farouk is ready to be free, of the waning Shadow King as we go through New Mutants number 23. One of the more impressive aspects of what's happening here with Farouk is how Ayala is drawing parallels and trauma from past points in New Mutants comics history. So you have Ileana here sharing how her experiences trapped with Belasco in Limbo both relate to Shadow King trapping and manipulating young mutants like she was trapped and manipulated, and without realizing it, how Shadow King manipulated a young Amal Farouk the same way centuries ago. At the same time, Karma has experienced the most first-hand damage from the Shadow King entity in the New Mutants run by Chris Claremont and Bill Sienkiewicz and has to weigh that trauma and desire for revenge as the team learns of the existence of a separate Farouk entity that's nothing more than a scared, trapped child. 
There's also a particularly nice moment of catharsis where the new mutants are confronted with their greatest fears. The demon bear for Danny, Sean's family, James's brother, Iliana's demon form, and together assert we are beyond this, right? They triumphantly call beyond their past traumas. That's the kind of momentum in breaking the rules that I want to see from X-Men comics in the Krakoa era. That's moving things forward. It's both a victory chant and an aspirational mantra for Amal Farouk as he looks to conquer the Shadow King. By the end of the issue, Amal finally does come to the same conclusion. The truth is that I am the master of my own choices, he says, a quote very reminiscent of Legion's I Rule Me from Cy Spurrier's work on the character in um, X-Men Legacy and then on through Way of X. The final moment is Farouk doubling over, weeping, and saying, I'm so sorry for what he's done in the Shadow King's name. The Krakoan for New Mutants number 23 reads, What is Deserved? And it's unquestionably one of the most challenging questions coming out of these issues. What do you do with an Amal Farouk freed from the clutches of the Shadow King? Can Farouk even ever truly be freed? This is not uncharted territory in X-Men comics. The Dark Phoenix has pulled Jean Grey into the genocide of an alien civilization and Cyclops into the patricide of Charles Xavier. In both cases, both characters have been allowed to slide back into their familiar heroic roles, quite literally leading the superhero arm of mutantdom in the Jerry Duggan and Pepe Larraz X-Men run that's going on right now, but not without scars, history, and guilt. I don't want to overstate the analogy, but it reminds me a lot of actions performed while under the influence, except here taken to literally cosmic levels of possession. Nonetheless, in this year's excellent Midnight Mass on Netflix, the character Riley Flint, an alcoholic guilty of murdering a woman while drunk driving, effectively denies that only his alcoholic self committed the crime. There's a line in here where he's having a conversation about whether it was him or his other, and he says, that was me. I did it. I think a similar mental hold and level of accountability can be asserted, at least at times, for the likes of Scott Summers and Jean Grey. And now, of course, we can circle back to this line of thinking for Wanda Maximoff and Amal Farouk, because it definitely applies. Similar questions abound in Trial of Magneto number 4 featuring the completion of Wanda Maximoff's rebirth. We have writer Leah Williams, artist Lucas Wernick, and David Messina, colors by Edgar Delgado, letters by Clayton Cowles. A la Avengers Disassembled, the 2004 Marvel event written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by David Finch, Wanda's trauma is physically manifesting, this time as threats to her friends in the form of kaiju attacking Krakoa. You have literalized ghosts of Wanda past, present, and future needing to come together to make Wanda whole and stop the attacks on Krakoa and her family, colleagues, and friends. By issue's end, Wanda Maximoff brings together all of what makes her her and has accepted who she truly is. Now, Wanda's move to acceptance as a form of rebirth, both literally manifested through her own magic and figuratively in an effort to move on from the character's traumatized continuity, is frankly a harder sell than Farouk. Not because it's the wrong approach, but because her journey is messier. You literally have to chart her appearances across decades rather than a lead-in in run to Trial to Magneto. Also, and this one particularly stands out, other creators have tried this exact same path before. For my money, it's relatively unclear why Wanda's acceptance in Trial of Magneto is particularly different from attempts from Avengers vs. X-Men circa 2012 onward. What gives us confidence that this declaration, that we're ready to move on and let Scarlet Witch ascend, will play out any differently? Again, though, this doesn't mean it's the wrong outcome. For Wanda to move forward from Dark Wanda, from John Byrne's 80s West Coast Avengers to Brian Michael Bendis' Avengers Disassembled to House of M, you can either provide a path to moving forward from within or from without. And in the era of the Great Pretender and a whole mutant culture built around demonizing her, acceptance from others, others being mutants here, simply out of the question. Wanda cannot earn this. It is impossible. 
Still, we see Wanda striving for this in Empire X-Men. Despite the warnings of Doctor Strange, Wanda takes it upon herself to magically undo the extinction of Genosha at the hands of Cassandra Nova's Sentinels. The process goes horribly wrong. Resurrecting Genosian mutants as zombies, which is all kind, you know, which which all kind of gets conveniently covered up due to the Katani invasion during Empire and their landing on Genosha. Truth be told, I'm not entirely sure mutant kind is even aware Wanda tried and failed in this attempt, since her and Strange worked to cover it up by Empire X-Men's end. Now, I think you could look at that and say, well, if Wanda's attempts at reconciliation worked, maybe she could earn back favor and forgiveness. But we've seen this prove untrue in many other areas as well, through Avengers vs. X-Men and Uncanny Avengers throughout the 2010s. There will always be justified mutant resentment for decimation. That harm will always be too great. And regardless of the weight you put on blame between Wanda, Quicksilver, Doctor Doom, etc., Wanda will always be at the center. The lips-mouthing no more mutants will always run Scarlet. So yes, I think Leah Williams is right to turn inwards, to quote-unquote deal with Wanda's messy history through acceptance rather than denial, overwhelming guilt, or audible gulps, more retcons. But I simultaneously think Rakoa is built to prevent Wanda's self-acceptance from changing Mutantum's attitudes toward her. Looking at how Krakoa works, too, you see that it is a nation quite literally founded on mutant forgiveness. House of X number 5 welcomes all these known longtime mutant villains to the island. Magneto, Mystique, Mr. Sinister, Exodus, and Sebastian Shaw all sit on ruling on the Quiet Council. It's one of the biggest unbelievable power moves Hickman pulled in House and Powers. A change executed so flawlessly it sits without question, and you have characters like Harry Leland, resurrected in today's Marauders number 26, brought to tears by it. There are no good guys and bad guys in Krakoa, they're just mutants. Yet Wanda, yes, no longer mutant Wanda, is vilified. Permanently. Perpetually. I'm struck too by how all the guilt and pain caused by Wanda and Farouk stems from long-running comics continuity rather than actions in their respective runs. Although in the case of Farouk and the Shadow King, there is in fact the murder of Gabby Kinney and at least some manipulation of Rain Sinclair. These transformations or progressions are only really possible when you factor in the combined weight of stories decades in the making, which is of course a huge part of why I love shared universe comics so much to begin with. But over their histories, these characters have caused some serious pain that doesn't just go away. And while I haven't been possessed by any elder demons recently or created any alternate realities, I'm working on it, I can certainly relate to guilt and pain you just can't erase. Those moments in the middle of the night where suddenly you're thinking about a mistake that tears you up inside from high school or whenever in your past, that's what Wanda's represented in all of us for years and what Amal Farouk now joins. Consider too, in the differences between Farouk and Maximoff, the Shadow King has always been a villain. Wanda is a literal Avenger, <laughs> and yet it's Wanda's path to redemption that feels further out of reach, while Farouk's redemption tour on Krakoa is already well underway. After all, he's there on Krakoa in the first place, despite long-standing hatred between himself and Professor X and Storm among others. Plus, Farouk is essentially rescued by the New Mutants in an act of self-sacrifice and empathy. The five make efforts to resurrect Wanda, but ultimately it's the Great Pretender who must protect and restore herself. Wanda's reformation is always in her own hands, Krakoa won't save her, mutant or no. At the end of these issues, Farouk, assuming he's truly free of the Shadow King, is only now entering the cycle of guilt and accountability Wanda's been trapped in for nearly three decades. The key difference here is Farouk may well have the support of a nation and culture to help him through it. Wanda's path as a mutant was forsaken from the nation's founding. Of course, foundations crack. And with that, you know, with what we're seeing in Inferno, changes to leadership and mutant culture could be just around the corner. Could the Great Pretender? Be poised for a status quo shift to the great return home? Maybe. Could be coming. Either way, Trial of Magneto is telling us Wanda won't need that external validation to move on. She's already accepted herself as is, and that's all she needs. Will it stick? Time will tell.
again, others have tried before. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Dave Busing. You can find my stuff at comicbookherald.com. In particular, thank you to those of you supporting Comic Book Herald's work over on patreon.com slash comicbookherald. Thank you to the Mysterious Benefactors who support at the Mysterious Benefactors tier level. Thank you, Jesse W., Megan Getman, Cole Weathers, Brent Bowser, Professor X3769, Richard Renz, Adam, Chris Merkvicka, Verisimilitude, Terranort, Glide to Glide, Pinball Drew, Mike Solomons, Matt Mahoney, Johnson Mander, and Joshua Bentley. Thank you all for your support. Again, go on over to comicbookherald.com. Find me online on Twitter and Instagram at comicbookherald. Look for the best comics ever in my Marvelous Year podcast for more from me. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And, as always, enjoy the comics.